1848, Scottish-born Alan Taylor, later to become Kerr Taylor, arrived in New Zealand to join his brothers and uncle who had settled in Auckland some years before. Although only 17 years old at the time, Alan purchased a large portion of land in Mount Albert, which was to become the site for Alberton. After much adventuring, Alan visited London in 1860 and came back to New Zealand with his wife, 23-year-old Martha Meredith, called Pat or Patty. Patty was born in Hockham, Shropshire, the ninth of 11 children of a well-off farming family. At the age of 11, she was listed on the census as a scholar, which simply meant she went to school. We know Patty loved reading and poetry and music, as she brought with her a large collection of books and music. Before they set out for New Zealand, Alan and Patty kept a notebook from both before and after their marriage, on the voyage, and for a time after they arrived here. There is little information in it other than places visited, people to meet, and shopping lists written in two distinctly different hands. On the fourth page, in beautiful script, is written, Garden Villa, Bridge of Allen, Stirling, where maybe Alan and Patty visited before coming to New Zealand. Bridge of Allen is a small town north of Stirling, almost an equal distance from Glasgow and Edinburgh. The Garden Villa may still exist in this very pretty and touristy part of Scotland. The next entry in Alan and Patty's little book is a verse which was very popular at the time. Men scorn to kiss among themselves and scarce will kiss a brother. Women often want to kiss so bad they smack and kiss each other. This is the only verse written in the diary. Alan and Patty arrived well before Alberton was ready, and in fact, it's not quite sure for how long or if at all Patty moved in. These were to be sad days. In February 1863, a girl was born and died three days later. The following year, a son was born, but three days later, Patty died. Little Alan Meredith Taylor died also, at only five months old. In 1865, Alan, now 33 years old, married 17-year-old New Zealand-born Sophia Louise Davis. Sophia was the third daughter of Mary Ann Cryer and John Davis, a tutor to the missionary Matthews and Pucky families at Kaitaia. When she was eight years old, her family came down to Auckland. Little is known about Sophia before she married Alan, other than she was well-educated and accomplished at both art and music. In 1861, when she was just 14, she sang with her two older sisters in the following reported concert. The Mrs. Davis Concert 
a concert of sacred music in aid of the Vestry Fund at St. Matthew's Parish was given at the Mechanics Institute by the Mrs. Davis, who were aided by Mr. J. H. Beale as conductor and Mr. J. Fleetwood as pianist. The pieces given were selections from the sublime compositions of Mendelssohn and Handel. The first was the Hymn of Praise, and the latter were from Judas Maccabeus. The performers were Miss Davis, Miss Sarah Davis, Miss Sophia Davis, Miss Maud, and Messrs. Brideson, Culpin, and Cochrane. The instrumental portion of the concert was ably executed, but in some of the vocal parts we could detect some slight deviations from perfect. The music is, as is well known, full of sacred thought and true sublimity and requires all the earnestness of the performers to impress those feelings upon the minds of others. The most attractive part of the concert was that from Judas Maccabeus and the duet of Oh Lovely Peace was most effectively executed by the Mrs. Davis. Similar praise is due to the trio of See the Conquering Hero Comes and also to the Hallelujah Chorus. Sophia and Alan's family grew to ten children in all, living to adulthood, with the exception of Adeline Daisy, who died aged two, and Thora Daisy, who died aged ten. It was not long into her marriage that Sophia began to take her place in society. Perhaps the most significant ball of early Auckland was the Citizens' Ball. In May 1869, Sophia was now 22 years old with three children, the youngest three-month-old Mildred. This is a short excerpt from the extensive newspaper report. There was a programme of 21 dancers, which got underway on the arrival of Alfred, the first Duke of Edinburgh, at 9.30. Supper, the centre of which was a cake five feet nine inches in height, was taken at midnight and was followed by many toasts and speeches. All those present at the Citizens' Ball were named in the paper, and at the end of the article, there were just ten descriptions of the most noticeable dresses. These included the dresses of Lady Bowen, Lady Wynyard, Mrs. Colonel Elliot, and along with six others, our Mrs. Allen Kerr-Taylor, who wore a blue silk dress edged with swan's down, white lace tunic, and Bertha ornamented with white rosettes headdress of blue ribbon, gold earrings, and belt. The Kurt Taylor girls were educated at Auckland Girls College. They learnt music and various forms of art, and there were family performances and parties and dances and a range of entertainment often reported in local papers. St Luke's Church was a prominent part in the life of this family, Allen gave land for the church to be built, and the following year land for the parsonage. 
A great barn was built behind the house and used for parties and dances, including a soiree late in 1877 when 200 people sat down to dine with decorations of bunting and ferns. The splendid meal was followed by a meeting and then a lengthy concert. The purpose of this evening was to raise enough funds to discharge the debt on St Luke's Church, and this it did. The church was enlarged in 1882 and still stands as it was at that time. In 1886, there was reported in the local paper an event which was to carry on for many years. The annual treat given by Mr and Mrs A.K. Taylor to the children attending St Luke's Sunday School, Mount Albert, took place on Saturday at Mr Taylor's estate, Alberton. The children, their parents and friends, numbering between 60 and 70, spent a most enjoyable day and before leaving, hearty cheers were given for Mr and Mrs Taylor. This occasion was looked forward to every year by the Sunday school children of St. Luke's. Sophia Kerr-Taylor, alongside bringing up her children and supporting her husband in his political endeavours, enjoyed ice skating and she was an active member of the Pakaranga Hunt. In 1890, Alan Kerr-Taylor suddenly died at home with his family. He was in his 57th year. He passed on to the many generations of Kerr-Taylors who have followed his inherited cultures of Scotland, his fatherland, and where he was educated, and India, where he was born and spent his preschool years. Alan Kerr-Taylor's funeral demonstrated his standing in the community. People on foot and more than 30 carriages, including the carriage of the governor, Lord Onslow, made their way down the long avenue to St. Luke's Church, which he had so generously supported. Between the avenue and the church, villas flew flags at half-mast, while the church bell tolled at intervals. He was laid to rest in the churchyard, in the presence of his wife and family. The monument over the grave and the stained glass memorial windows in the church, like the big house on the hill, attest to the family's importance in the settlement of a significant part of Auckland. Sophia was left now in her early 40s with eight children, ranging from Vincent, aged 24, to little two-year-old Lance. It is believed she had not been any part of Alan's business dealings, so was taken by surprise to find there were debts owing on their property, which was left for her to manage. In a short time, she was clearing debts and holding her family together with business acumen and hard work. Sophia took on the roles of solo mother before the title existed, as well as house and estate manager. However, the staff was reduced and the work had to be taken up by the family. Functions continued to be held at Alberton as reported in the end of 1891 in the society gossip of the New Zealand Graphic. 
The weather is delightful for afternoon tea out of doors, and though our invitation to Alberton did not convey the alfresco idea, yet when we remembered the tempting grounds, we resolved on getting a little stroll in them anyway. A very large number of ladies turned up. Gentlemen, as a rule, are not supposed to care about tea, but a few could leave town though the attractions of a charming country house, strawberries and cream, to say nothing of our debonair hostess, Mrs A.K. Taylor, and her charming daughters, proved well-nigh irresistible. We talked a little in the drawing-room and listened to Miss Emma Thompson's excellent rendering of the prima donna. Then we overflowed on to the balconied veranda thence down a flight of stone stairs to the lawn and first fountain, whose splashing sounded particularly cool and inviting. Down the terrace we wandered to another fountain, guided hither by the sound of music. It was so fairy-like and pretty, coming from the large orange tree close beside the water, Now to art in another, more prosaic form. We must all be clothed, and we like to know in what garments our friends array themselves on an occasion like the present. Our hostess looked very fascinating in a widow's cap and black grenadine with high lace sleeves. Miss Kerr Taylor and Miss Mildred wore pretty flowered gowns, ode neal preponderating and white hats. Miss Violet was in a becoming greenish frock. It appeared that 100 or more of Auckland society, ladies and gentlemen, enjoyed curtailer hospitality that day. As Sophia became familiar with business practices of the day, her interest of the suffragette movement grew. This is part of a report in the Auckland Star of June 1892, just 18 months before the new Electoral Act giving New Zealand women the vote came into law. The Mount Albert Hall entertainment on Thursday night proved as successful as its predecessors. Some good musical items were contributed. The feature of the evening was a discussion of the women's franchise question. Mr. Rattray and several other gentlemen spoke against it. Mrs. Allen Curtailer, Mrs. Rattray and other ladies and gentlemen were strongly in favour of extending the franchise to women. Mrs. Allen Curtailer's speech was undoubtedly the gem of the evening. Racy, humorous, yet never losing sight of the point at issue, namely that as a pure matter of justice, Women should no longer be classed with criminals and lunatics in being denied the right to vote. Mrs. Kerr Taylor carried an enthusiastic audience along with her. Women have to obey the law, have to pay taxes, etc., just the same as men. Therefore, they should have the right of a voice in electing the men who were to make these laws. No very strong arguments were adduced against granting the suffrage to women, and when the chairman, Reverend F. Larkins, after an able summing up, called for a show of hands, it was found that the friends of female franchise 
had slightly the advantage. That same year, Sophia became a member of the first committee of the Auckland branch of the Women's Franchise League. She used her intelligence, wit and energy to make resolutions and speeches in favour of female suffrage. Like many other socially prominent women, Sophia supported the Auckland Tayloresses Union. Sophia Kerr-Taylor and her daughter Winifred signed the 1893 Women's Suffrage Petition. In due course, three of the four Kerr-Taylor sons married and moved onto the Waimoku family property. Violet was the only one of the four Kerr-Taylor daughters to marry. She travelled to England with her husband and lived out her life there. Sophia Kerr-Taylor was strikingly attractive energetic, intelligent and forthright. She continued to speak and write on a variety of topics after women's suffrage had been achieved. She denounced the single tax movement in 1905 and opposed the introduction of possums to provide sport for lazy town people when they take their holiday in the country. She regarded herself as a farmer as she derived income from the sale of flowers, fruit and vegetables and eggs from her prize poultry. Sophia lived with her three daughters at Alberton until she died in 1930, aged 83. Her daughters continued to live at Alberton, attended St Luke's Church and took part in community activities and sporting events. The three daughters are buried in St. Luke's Churchyard alongside various family members. Alberton, which was lived in by Alan and Sophia Kerr-Taylor and their children for 109 years, was bequeathed to the Historic Places Trust, now Heritage New Zealand, by the last living member of the first generation of this interesting early Auckland family, Miss Muriel Hyacinth Kerr-Taylor in 1972. The Ladies of Alberton was presented by Cathy Harrop with additional research from John Webster, music played by Jenny Kahn. The podcast was recorded by Dylan Storey in the Hunterway Sound Studios, Auckland, with the support of Heritage New Zealand, Poheri Taonga.